Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In our next segment, we're going to give you the headlines of the week. We've got TV numbers from the U.S. Open, from FIFA World Cup Soccer, and from the NBA Finals. Big, big numbers from that epic Game 7 between the Lakers and the Celtics. We'll have those numbers for you. Coming up in our next segment, our headline sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Then we're going to look back on some conversations that we've had in the last month. In Segment 3, my conversation from May with NBA Commissioner David Stern. He updated us on the collective bargaining agreement negotiations. You might want to stick around and get the insight of NBA Commissioner David Stern when he joined us about a month ago right here on Sports Business Radio. That's coming up in Segment 3. Then in Segment 4, B. Perez. She's the Chief Marketing Officer for Coca-Cola North America. She has an enormous job. She's basically in charge of all the sports properties in North America as they relate to Coca-Cola and their numerous brands. My conversation with B. Perez will revisit that in segment four. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. You can become our Facebook friend or follow me via Twitter. If you want to follow us on Facebook, go to facebook.com backslash sportsbusinessradio. I'm on Twitter at SB. Radio. I'm joined in studio by our executive producer, Brian Griggs. Griggs, did you uh, have a good Father's Day? Yeah, it was good. Uh, it was busy. Kind of. We have both families. My wife, my wife and my family are here, so we kind of did the family hop thing, but ended it at mom's house with a nice roast beef dinner, so can't get any better than that. You can't beat that, and I neglected last weekend to wish everyone out there a happy Father's Day, and I had a wonderful Father's Day as well, so hope you did. Uh, lots of stuff on the tube. And lots of sports. Wimbledon's underway. Uh, we almost saw Roger Federer go down in round one at Wimbledon. That would have been horrible for the TV partners and for Nike. But uh, Federer came back from down two sets to win his opening match. We've got lots of headlines coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is SBR. Back with more after this. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training. Sports business curriculum taught by industry experts and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. 
Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, the NBA has taken center stage in the last week. First of all, the NBA draft held this past Thursday. But I want to give you the numbers from the NBA Finals. And they're really staggering numbers. Game 7, anytime you can get to a Game 7 in sports, it's pretty big TV numbers. But ABC got a 15.6 final rating. That's 28.2 million people tuned in to watch Game 7 between the Lakers and the Celtics NBA Finals, marking the highest rated and most viewed NBA game since the Bulls-Jazz NBA Finals Game 6 in 1998. You may remember the shot, basically the walk-off shot by Michael Jordan where he made the shot to win the game for the Bulls against the Jazz. For the series, Griggs, the network averaged 10.6 and 18 million viewers per game. So we talked at the beginning of the series, they had to average a 9.0 to not have to do make goods with advertisers. They blew that out of the water. And if you're David Stern, I don't think the ratings could have been much better for you. Yeah, and I was one of those guys watching it. I mean, I was there every every night watching the game. Game 7 was kind of rat-ballish, but, you know, it was exciting nonetheless. The the three-point craze in the last, you know, 30 seconds was pretty exciting. So Yeah, I mean, in a Game 7, you want to see a competitive game. So, yeah, it was ugly basketball, but it was close. So, you know, there were people watching down to the last seconds. And, uh, you know, two big markets, L.A. and Boston, two storied franchises, lots of household names, Kobe, Garnett, uh, a guy like Rajon Rondo, who we've seen sign with Red Bull recently, is a Nike endorser. He's really a guy to keep your eye on. I think he's going to have a lot of potential endorsement opportunities in the future. Our next headline, the U.S. Open, held at Pebble Beach this past weekend and held in prime time on the weekend. And NBC earned a 6.9 Nielsen rating. Pretty good numbers, but, uh, you know, not staggering and and. If Tiger and Phil had been in the mix a little bit more than they were on that last uh, round on Sunday, I think the ratings might have been a little bit better. But uh, it was kind of ugly golf that that final round. I actually felt encouraged. Like some of those shots <laughs> looked like me, you know, hitting it to the other fairway, into the trees, into the water, stuff like that. But you know, and Tiger, I think you know, had a great day Saturday, and I think people came back Sunday, and then he kind of fell off. But the rumor is Powerade bottle instead of Gatorade in Tiger's bag. Yeah, and it's interesting. There are pictures on the internet. If you look closely at Tiger's bag, you saw that Powerade bottle. And Tiger used to be with Gatorade, a very you know, well-known known endorsement deal for him and kind of a shot at Gatorade. I mean, I haven't heard any rumors about him signing with Powerade, which is, by the way, a Coca-Cola product. And B. Perez coming up in segment four, the CMO of Coca-Cola. But uh, it'll be interesting to see if there's any future relationship between Tiger and uh, Powerade or Coca-Cola. You mentioned uh, Tiger didn't seem to be any warmer and and friendlier. He kind of threw his caddy, Stevie Williams, under the bus in the final round. And I just, you know, we saw Tiger sit up and give that press conference when he first came back talking about being friendlier and, you know, people are more important than winning golf tournaments. I'm not seeing that at all uh, since he's been back. He seems a little a little miffed the whole time. He doesn't talk as much when he's out there, which he used to be more. It seemed like he talked more with Caddy and, and people around, and he was real shut mouth most of the time when he was out there. 
Yeah, I mean, we expect him to be competitive and, and intense, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't think he's doing himself any favors with fans or with uh, potential endorsers, put it that way. Our next headline, FIFA World Cup Soccer. ESPN, ESPN2, and ABC are averaging a 1.9 U.S. rating. That's about 2.95 million viewers for coverage of the 2010 FIFA World Championship so far. Uh, that's up 60% and 71% respectively from 2006. You know, the thing that's interesting here, Griggs, is that we talk about these numbers they pale in comparison to the numbers I just gave. Even for golf, which is getting a 6.9, the basketball, you know, which we just talked about, which is getting a 15.6. So a 1.9, when this is a global sport, it shows you how far uh, soccer has to go with TV viewers in the United States. You know, and I think they could maybe do something more like they do with the Olympics where they show, they tape delay a little bit more. I mean, it's tough when games are on at 4 in the morning. You're not going to get people up unless it's something they really are into. Whereas if you did more of a primetime thing, tape delayed, okay, here's the big USA match, here's the big whatever it is, that might get some more viewers. I don't know. Well, in any time the U.S. plays, there's a few more people tuning in here in the United States. The 2-2 draw with Slovenia drew 5.2 million viewers. All right, coming up next, we're going to look back at my conversation with NBA Commissioner David Stern. That was about a month ago. We talked about the collective bargaining agreement. The agreement expires after this upcoming NBA season. All kinds of speculation that there could be a work stoppage. We discussed that and several other topics. We'll look back on that conversation. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Podcast this show and any other past SBR episode at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back with more SBR after this. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every championship team has one thing in common, good coaching. And I want to be your coach, your media coach. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form New School Media Coaching. New School Media Coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, or a front office executive in the sports or business world, we'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record. And just like any good coach, We'll help you practice your new skills, and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. He's been kind enough to join us here on Sports Business Radio before. It's been a while. Commissioner, thanks for taking the time to catch up. It is always a pleasure, Brian. So it's been another really exciting NBA season. The playoffs have been very competitive as well. What are some of the highlights for you from this past season? Well, I think the the fact that our, as I've said before, our kids are playing like veterans, whether it's uh, Tyreek Evans or Kevin Durant and the young Oklahoma City Thunder, or Brandon Jennings or a whole slew of youngsters, and let's not forget that LeBron and and uh, uh, and Carmelo and D Wade and Chris Bosh are not old men, 
And then you have the, love, the lovely sight of these great future Hall of Famers like Steve Nash and Jason Kidd playing like kids. Uh, and it's fun. It's fun to see Milwaukee in the playoffs again, Charlotte in for the first time, Oklahoma City in for the first time. And then, of course, you've got the old standbys, which who are just, you know, the Lakers, can they repeat or not? Denver seeming to have it all together. Utah always there with Jerry Sloan. Dallas with that late trade that did so much for them. And San Antonio sort of sneaking up on everybody. And I'm just out west. I haven't even come east, really. And so it's uh, it's really a great, great year for us. And the playoffs are living up to the regular season. Well, and after the season is done, some marquee free agents on the market. So your league is sure to be a hot topic during the off season as well. That's got to help too, right? I guess I, 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 it was a hot topic during the season about the postseason. <laughs> right. So we'll see what happens if the postseason is as hot as it was during the regular season. I don't know how it could get any hotter. Yeah, I think it probably will, though. Hey, it's no secret we're in a tough economy. Uh, The competition for the disposable dollar, it's as competitive as ever. NBA games are readily available on TV. The popularity of watching sports on HD has increased. How do you make it more appealing for people to get off the couch and come to a game in person? Because, you know, that HD experience is, is pretty terrific as well. The HD Dolby surround is terrific, and when... 3D comes, it's going to be probably even better, but we view all of those as opportunities to educate our fans that there's nothing like being there, that the, you know, the place where 20,000 strangers come together for the communal purpose of rooting the home team to victory is a unique situation, and uh, even though it's going to be a world of widescreen television in every conceivable shape, form, or room, <laughs> we still think that the uh, the live game experience will prevail. And we try to make it as easy as it can. The uh, advent of paperless tickets, the ability to come in and ultimately order uh, from your seat uh, by virtue of your handheld device, the ability to use technology to make the building more entertaining, the entertainment itself, which is now a key component of our game, the restaurants, the shops, the entertainment districts. A night out is uh, always a good thing, and uh, a night out, which is really the surroundings for a great basketball game and entertainment experience, is even better. You know, your teams really rolled up their sleeves and put on their thinking caps this season to come up with some clever promotions and ways to get people to come to the arena, like you said. Is there a promotion that stuck out in your head that you said, you know, that was really cool? I'm not sure the adjective was cool, (laughs) but I know it got my attention when I heard that the Nets were preparing your income tax free if you came out that night. Yeah, I mean, that's great. Uh, That was pretty cool. Uh, using the word cool, uh, but uh, a lot of a lot of promotions and many of them designed to make the experience for a family uh, more moderately priced and get more fans into the stands.
My guest is NBA Commissioner David Stern. Commissioner Stern, uh, the NBA seems to be on the verge of accepting Russian billionaire Mikhail Progroff into the league as the owner. We've seen there's a Chinese group that has a piece of the Cleveland Cavaliers. You've done such a terrific job of making the NBA appealing on a global scale. How active are you and the people at the league in maybe trying to interest people like Mr. Progroff and people like the Chinese investors in investing in an NBA franchise? Well, the Chinese deal has not closed and been approved yet, but it's out there. And I guess what I would say is I met Mr. Prokhorov several years ago when I accompanied the Clippers to Moscow when they played and were beaten by his Seska Moscow team. So so for us, as we open up offices in 11 uh, offices outside this, this country, uh, we are... Uh, you know, trying to attract great interest in our game abroad. And the next step is to attract great interest by international investors in our game here. And it's a continuing, ongoing uh, effort. We have taken meetings with, uh, uh, with European potential investors, with uh, Middle Eastern potential investors, with Chinese, uh, with Russian uh, with, you know, many, and we think that's a, that's a very good thing. I would say, Brian, that the arguably one of the top two uh, sports leagues in the world, and I, the two to me are the NFL and the EPL, which is the Euro- European Premier League, which, I'm sorry, the English Premier League, uh, which is soccer, uh, you know, in that league, 10 of the 20 teams are owned by non-English uh, investors. Do you see the day where, you know, I see that the, you know, Bobcats obviously just sold to Michael Jordan. The Warriors are up for sale. Uh, It looks like there may be an ownership change in New Orleans, but I know that's kind of an internal deal. Do you see the day where there's going to be more foreign ownership with uh, NBA teams? Absolutely. I think that as just as we have 83 international players, as more and more international players move into our prep school and collegiate uh, you know, system, so will more equity flow into the United States. Their international investors own, you know, city, have interest in Citicorp and Merrill Lynch and Saks Fifth Avenue and Barney's and you name it. Uh, I, don't, I can't even keep track. In fact, the biggest international investor in the United States, I think, is probably either Japan or China by virtue of holding U.S. Treasury bonds. We're with NBA Commissioner David Stern, and we've got just a few minutes left. Commissioner Stern, we've seen Tiger Woods and Ben Roethlisberger utilize poor judgment off the field of play. It's affected not only their personal brands, but the brands of their leagues and the brands of the companies who pay them as endorsers. How risky is it to align your brand with the brand of a star athlete? I know it's something that comes with the territory, but it seems to be more risky than ever. Well, I think that manufacturers, consumer products companies, are making judgments and what I would say are calculated risks with respect to individual players. In, in, in some measure, a safer hedging, if you would, is to make an investment with a league. But we actually encourage our uh, marketing partners to invest with our players. And I think more stringent uh, contracts are being drafted so that companies don't get burned by poor experiences.
No, I would totally agree with that. All right, last question for you. I know the current collective bargaining agreement expires in July of 2011. It's on everyone's mind, even though it's off in the distant future. Uh, How are the talks coming along? And if I ask you to put a percentage on getting something done before July of 2011, what percentage would you put on that? Well, I guess I would say we're exchanging information. We're busily trying to demonstrate every aspect of our financial situation. As I've said, I, we, we, we're prepared to argue with our players about what the numbers mean, but we don't want to argue about what the numbers are, and that's where we're heading. Um, and we just had a staff meeting, staff to staff, last week to make sure we get the numbers right. I guess I would say that I'm an optimist, but not a better, so I'm not going to put a number on it. So it sounds like the discussions are ongoing, and, and that's a healthy thing. They're early-stage productive, but if they don't move into more productiveness and if they you know, don't uh, pick up a bit, I won't be as optimistic as I currently am. And I saw your end-of-the-season press conference. You said between 380 to $400 million in losses this season. Are those accurate numbers still? Yes. Wow. But, I mean, again, I think you guys have done a great job with uh, keeping attendance numbers and TV ratings, and and the league seems to be uh, pretty darn healthy despite the economy. No, uh, our revenue production is not our issue. It's expenses. We're we're very happy with the fact that we, uh, you know, we're only down something close to 1% in the worst, one of the worst years in our, really, the last 50 uh, our international prospects are terrific. Our digital prospects are very attractive. Uh, and our game, which is at the heart of it all, is as exciting as ever. So we're really very happy with where we are, Brian. Well, Commissioner Stern, as always, I appreciate you taking the time to join us on Sports Business Radio. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in touch with SBR on Twitter, twitter.com slash SBRadio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is NBA Commissioner David Stern. I thought you did a wonderful job of handling the game ball situation. You listened to your players and the owners, and ultimately I thought you got it right. What did you learn from that experience? It probably pays to go the extra step to build a consensus, even though you don't think there's any other view that makes sense. My guest is Jack Nicholas. What are the main lessons the game of golf can teach us if we pay close enough attention? You develop relationships with people. I think you play 18 holes of golf with somebody. You get to know them pretty well. We're joined by Bill Hancock. He's the executive director of the BCS. What we want is for the best two teams to play in the championship game. Beyond that, I'm not sure it's really fair to say what's good for the BCS or what or what's bad for the BCS. Follow us at sportsbusinessradio.com and on Twitter at SB Radio. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. My guest is B. Perez. She's the chief marketing officer of Coca-Cola North America. She's a 14-year veteran of the company. More importantly, she's Warsaw Center's Woman of the Year, honored this week here in Portland, Oregon, at the Warsaw Center Women in Sports Symposium. B, congratulations, and thanks for joining us here on Sports Business Radio. Thanks a lot, Brian. I appreciate it. I'm very excited to be you know, in Portland and a part of the Warsaw program. It's, it's quite an honor to be among the honorees that they've had in the past. 
yes, you are joining an impressive list for sure. Um, let me talk to you about your rise through the ranks of Coca-Cola. I know you've done a lot of work with the motorsports marketing platforms for Coke, but maybe you can give our listeners a little background about how you got started at Coke and uh, where you are now. Sure. Well, and my, my little secret is I started before motorsports with Hispanic advertising, and so I worked for an agency called Sosa Bromley & Associates, which is now Bromley Communications, and I was working on Coca-Cola's Hispanic marketing efforts, which was not just advertising, it was also bringing the brands to life in the local communities with our customers and our bottling system. And through that, I was given tremendous opportunity. You know, when you work for Coke, I feel so fortunate. It's a company that pushes you and challenges you as an employee and also at the same time gives you opportunities to learn and to move in an adventure career in places that you might not have necessarily thought you'd be going into. And so I went from the Hispanic advertising world into brand management, and from there that led into my career in sports and having quite an honor and opportunity to launch our official soft drink of NASCAR platform in the Coca-Cola Racing family. And that is still one of our longest-standing sustaining programs we activate every single year, which you may have heard we've renewed for about another 10 years, and, and we have all of the racetracks. So we feel like we're in a good spot with the league, the teams, the drivers, the tracks. It's it's really a great way to bring to life that platform. And so here I am. So I believe that those are the opportunities and the challenges and the pushes that led to the successes into my career today. So you've migrated to sports a little bit, obviously. Uh, women in sports, that's what we're talking about this week. There's a lot of uh, women out there who want to work in the sports industry how do you get started, and uh, you know, what's your advice to the women out there saying, I want to work in marketing and specifically in sports marketing? Well, you know, probably my advice could be both to women and men, and then I'll give you a twist at the end for, for the women. But what I'd say, be prepared to work hard. Be prepared to be open to learn and to listen. You have to know the consumer. You have to know the fans. You have to know what they love and how they're consuming sports. And so, you know, fans don't just consume sports by going out to a race or to a baseball game or a football game. They're also online. They're on their mobile devices. They are listening to it on the radio. As a matter of fact, I listen to most of the NASCAR races through radio because you get such a unique experience in a way that it's not always brought to life through just one medium. And um, so working hard and really paying attention to the business of sports, which is why I felt like the Warsaw Center is something that is so important because it teaches people and young people about the business of sports, not just sports. And for women, I'd say, you know what? There are plenty of women role models in sports today. You could look at Lisa Kennedy, who is in charge of NASCAR, Heidi Ubroth over at the NBA. You have Val Ackerman. You have Donna Lopiano. There are so many women in sports today in meaningful roles that have cleared a lot of pathways forward. And I would not be afraid to pick up the phone, talk to them, you know, do informational interviews, get advice, and at the same time, understand that it's a commitment. And so, you know, as a woman, you know, I'm a mother, I have two children, I have a wonderful husband. Don't be afraid to leverage your resources because there are going to be times when you need to be on the road on weekends, on evenings, because that's when sports take place. And so you have to find that balance and that support system at home to help you do the things that are important to you and to go into a career like this. Great advice. We're joined by B. Perez. She is the Chief Marketing Officer of Coca-Cola North America. She's been with Coca-Cola for 14 years. Let's talk about Coca-Cola and your involvement with 
many different sports properties. We've already discussed your relationship with NASCAR, but you work with the NCAA, the NHL, the PGA, the USOC, the NBA, and then you've got relationships with several athletes as well. You even do things with uh, American Idol. In your opinion, what's the successful recipe for a good relationship and bringing a partnership to life? Because I see a lot of people, you know, we're out here in Portland and Nike's here, and I see they have lots of relationships with athletes, but sometimes they don't bring those athlete relationships to life. They don't activate them. What's the recipe for Coca-Cola? Sure. Well, for Coca-Cola, we're very analytical and we assess a lot. We, we always like to look at research, see what's working, what's not. But foundational elements in starting with a partnership is understand what's going to make the partnership successful, and so that means understanding the partner. What are their objectives? What do they need? Is it for them about driving viewership to watch the Final Four, or is it about attendance at a NASCAR race? Is it about bringing to life the brand experience through social media with the Olympics and giving the stories behind the athletes? Is it like an American Idol where you let the fans participate and decide an outcome of the game like we did with the NBA with letting the fans select the fourth dunker for the NBA Sprite Slam Dunk Contest? And so we modeled that off of some of our learning from American Idol and brought that into the NBA. And we had a willing partner who wanted to do that because one of the objectives of the NBA is about being at the you know, leading edge of technology and bringing the best consumer experience for the fans to life and also driving viewership and driving interactions. So understanding the partners and what they're trying to do and understanding what the fans want and bringing them value, and that's how Coca-Cola or a brand like Coca-Cola can win. And so that's how we know which brands are the right brands to associate, which are the right elements to bring the life through the sport, and how do you sell more Coca-Cola by doing that? It's by giving the fans the value, and they reward you for it. We, we have found that with Sports properties, entertainment properties, when you're where the fans want to be and when you're giving them true value, they're going to reward you. Yeah, i got to tell you, one of the more interesting, uh, I guess, case studies or just something that I've paid attention to in the last few years is vitamin water and the relationship with the NCAA, specifically at the NCAA tournament. I've gone to the NCAA tournament. I've obviously watched on TV and I think you guys have done such a great job with bringing vitamin water to the top of mind because, frankly, you know, maybe a few years ago it wasn't as top of mind, but I think you've done a tremendous job with that relationship with the NCAA, getting it out there so uh, the brand is stronger. You know, we, we feel fortunate because that took a lot of great partnership discussions with folks like Greg Shaheen at the NCAA, with folks like John Bogus and Chris Simcoe, through CBS and having all the partners come together and say, yes, we think vitamin water makes sense. It's a great, it's a great brand to have on the sidelines. And for us, vitamin water is still a growing brand. It's a very successful brand. It's created its own category. I personally love Triple X. But what we also did was looked at a brand like Revive and said, you know, that's a natural space within this environment where you're looking to you know, lift up the fan experience, give the athletes what they're looking for to hydrate and, you know, really create a unique relationship that can be brought to life through sampling at some of these events, through retail activation in a store where it's on display with Coke Zero, which is also a major partner within the NCAA environment. And it's been valuable for us on college campuses when we're able to take the brand there and it's given us a legitimate presence and opportunity to, you know, connect with that audience. My guest is B. Perez. She is the chief marketing officer of 
Coca-Cola North America. B, I wanted to ask you, and I've wanted to ask someone in, in your seat for a long time, is a general rule of thumb how much money a company should be spending to activate its sponsorship. People I've talked to, other executives have said, well, if you're going to spend X on a sponsorship, you should spend three times X to activate it and make sure everyone knows about it. Do you have a general rule of thumb with activating your sponsorships? Well, this is what I'll say. So, you know, that's, that's that's the secret question, the golden question, that if we all can get right, we all will win. And it's something that people have studied for years. And so I don't want to say I have the answer and the silver bullet. What I would say is that what we know is that we have to have flexibility in how we spend our money. And it has to be going more of the money that we put into the properties to drive value for the fan and for the fan experience. And so when we look at activation, what we say is, you know, how much should we have in what we call working dollars versus non-working dollars? And so we want most of the money to be in the working dollars, so it's actually bringing the brands to life. It's creating value for the fan. It's going to programs at retail to drive sales of our products to get them on display. And if we can get that combination right and still meet the partner's objectives and our objectives, that's the winning formula for us. That might not be right for everybody, but it's how we have found success in bringing our brands to life in those environments when we have flexibility and when the partner allows us to be able to reshape the programs and assess them every year to make them better. As far as advertising, though, TV advertising, and correct me if I'm wrong, here we are based in Portland. I believe Wyden and Kennedy is your ad agency. Um, they've done some terrific ads for you guys over the years. How powerful is TV with getting your word out there or with social media? Has that become a real powerful tool? We see people utilizing YouTube and Twitter and Facebook to get their brand out there, and I know Coca-Cola has done that a lot. Yes, I'm glad you bring up Wyden and Kennedy. As a matter of fact, it wouldn't be a, a full visit for me unless I were visiting with the folks at Wyden and Kennedy, and they're just they're geniuses there, and they understand brands, and they understand people, and the way that they bring the strategies to life and drive our business through the messages. It's just something that we are very fortunate to have a partner like that in our business and an agency like that who has the brilliance that they just maintain in their, you know, in their people and how they think about marketing. And so I'm glad you use them as an example because the, you know, the thing that they've taught us and the thing that we've experienced in our business results is you need a good combination of both. So TV still works. As a matter of fact, we feel like we're in the best places with TV because if you think of sports programming, you're watching an event, and you might be watching history being made right then and there. So if you're watching someone like a LeBron James play in the playoffs, you know you might watch history. So you want to watch it right then when it's airing for the first time and we know that the ratings are strong for these types of events. So big events around sports still make a lot of sense. And that is something that we have to have the right messaging and the right um, you know, brand proposition brought to life through that medium. At the same time, we also know that people are online. They're using their mobile devices, and they want to participate. So a program that we did with Super Bowl this past year is we said, wow, how do we get people before Super Bowl and then watching Super Bowl and maybe again after. Well, let's bring to life an experience where we're also giving back to the community. So we did something that is unheard of and and hasn't been done before where we allowed 20 seconds of our TV commercial to be viewed online by fans. And what they could do is then once they watched it, they could share it with a friend and they could also donate points and money to the Boys and Girls Club, which we then matched. And so a lot of money was raised for the Boys and Girls Club. What it also did was it 
forced people to say, wow, I want to see the ending. So they either had to watch the Super Bowl to see the ending of the commercial, or they had to go back online and watch it the day after or after the Super Bowl aired. So it was a full experience where you're leveraging TV as well as digital communication online and mobile to bring to life the whole experience. I want to ask you about endorsement deals with athletes. We've seen high-profile athletes such as Tiger Woods and Ben Roethlisberger have missteps off the field of play, taint their brands. I had NBA Commissioner David Stern on with me last week, and I asked him this very question. Do missteps like these make a company like Coca-Cola think twice about aligning its brand with an athlete or celebrity? Or do you include any language in your contract that says, look, if this person steps out of line, we can immediately void our contract with that person? Well, this is what I'll say. You know, anytime you're dealing with any type of relationship where people are involved, people are human beings, and human beings right. make mistakes, whether they're intentional or unintentional. And um, so there's always risk. And so what we try to do is make sure we've done our homework. We do the standard background checks. And then we also meet people that we're going to be working with and having business partnerships with. And as you get to know them and meet them, you then make the decision to either take the risk or not. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And so being, you know, a corporation the size of ours, of course we have to have the right protection. So in every single endorsement deal we do, and I really prefer to call them partnership deals, we have a morals clause. And so we always, you know, always have that as the protection just in case. But I'll tell you, my experiences have been that nine times out of ten, you're, you're not going to have a major issue. It's usually the exception. And when that exception takes place, as long as you're talking and communicating with that partner, then you find joint solutions and, and you work things out in those ways. And I have also found that, you know, fans and consumers can be forgiving. So, you know, as long as you have the right type of communication and you handle it appropriately. No, I agree with you. And I think it's a good way to look at it the way that you just described. And you know, I would imagine it's hard. You build up a relationship with an athlete or, or a celebrity, and they kind of become synonymous with your brand. So it's probably not in your best interest or theirs, obviously, to, uh, I guess, hit the eject button and, and end that relationship with that very, very careful consideration. That's exactly right. And you know what? We're, we are very lucky to live in the United States of America because it is innocent until proven guilty. And so we always give our partners the benefit of the doubt. We keep a tight relationship where we communicate, we joint problem solve, and we have found that to be a good approach for us and typically a good approach for our partners. I've got a few stats before I let you go via your website, and they're just really mind-boggling. 92,800 employees of Coca-Cola worldwide. 48 consecutive years with increased dividends, which is really amazing. I'd love to hear from you in a moment if there's any other company that has a, a track record like that. 3,300 beverages, 200 countries where your beverages are sold, and then 124 years in business. When you're talking about the Mount Rushmore of iconic companies, I think Coca-Cola is prominent on that mountain um, maybe you can talk a little bit just about the growth of Coca-Cola. I know, obviously, you haven't been with them over the last 124 years. But, uh, you know, it really is a company, the thing that impresses me the most is they seem to be a progressive company that changes with the times as need be and is really uh, on top of things. You know, I, I'm lucky. I, I would love to take all the credit for the growth, right? But I can. So, you know, what I would say about Coca-Cola, it's, 
it's the brand and it's the people there who make the brand. And at Coca-Cola, you always feel like you're on a team with a common goal and you're on a winning team. So it's not unlike sports where we know everyone has their role. So in soccer, you need a goalie, you need a captain, you need a, a right wing, a left wing. And so we all are, are on the same team and we all play a specific role to drive that growth and to win in the marketplace. And for us, it truly is about, you know, serving the communities, you know, that we work with on a very local level, bringing value back to our retail partners and driving their businesses, giving back to the communities, you know, providing scholarships for students. We also have a lot of programs like the Boys and Girls Clubs or, you know, active living type programs where we, we sponsor, you know, things like Rails for Trails where anywhere there was a railroad trail that's no longer functional, we go out there and we create a running trail or a walking trail. And so that, I believe, is one of the secret successes and, and the secret formula, um, no pun intended, of yeah. Coca-Cola. Where, That's a know, story for another day, I'm sure. That is, that is. But it's a, it's a combination. So we all talk about if you went online, you'd see that, you know, the secret formula is made up of something called 7X, seven secret ingredients that... You know, we don't share publicly because that's our trade secret. Well, I believe that 7X at Coca-Cola is about, you know, the people. It's about our partners. It's about the planet we serve. It's about the products. It's about, um, you know, how we think about productivity in terms of adding value, not just eliminating waste. And it, it really is those things, that combination of what I call those P's, you know, that truly have made this a winning company. And the growth is driven by the people who are there who have the ideas to bring the brands to life and to work with the partners who allow us to sell our products in their stores. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us on Sports Business Radio this week. Congratulations again on winning the Warsaw Center's Woman of the Year Award. Well-deserved. And I hope we can stay in touch and have you on again. Thank you. I look forward to it. I really appreciate your time, Brian. Thanks again. Thank you very much. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. More of the show is coming up. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Well, I'm dusting off my golf clubs and looking forward to enjoying the gorgeous Oregon summer weather on the golf course. Like many of you, I'm on a budget. I want to tee it up when it's convenient for my schedule, and I enjoy playing golf courses that deliver a private golf club experience. That's why I want to tell you about the Ghost Pass at Pumpkin Ridge Golf Club. The Ghost Pass is Oregon's premier frequent player program that allows you to play the world-renowned Ghost Creek Golf Course for over half off of the regular greens fees. And with your Ghost Pass, you can make your tee times 14 days in advance. The Ghost Pass program sets itself apart by offering a competitive tournament program, which includes one exclusive Ghost Pass event at Witch Hollow. The Ghost Pass is available for only $150, and here's the best part. When you sign up for the Ghost Pass, you'll receive a complimentary round of golf valued at $150. So you literally can't lose when you purchase the Ghost Pass. Go online to PumpkinRidge.com and sign up for the Ghost Pass today. I'll see you on the links. What were the terms that got that big deal done? These guys know. Sports Business Radio. Well, a few more stories before we leave you this week. Tampa Bay Rays owner Stuart Sternberg said this week that the club cannot survive long-term in downtown St. Petersburg, ending a long franchise silence on the stagnant effort to replace Tropicana Field. I've been to Tropicana Field. It's a dump. It needs to be replaced. 
And uh, the tough thing for Sternberg is that the Rays have an agreement to play in the TROP, as it's called, until the year 2027. Ouch. So I don't know if he's going to be getting out of that anytime soon. But watch this story because uh, I think the Rays are going to threaten to move, as most teams do when they don't get a ballpark deal. Griggs, France has had a meltdown of epic proportions during this uh, World Cup. And the Irish are pretty happy about it. Why? Well, before World Cup started, Pizza Hut in Ireland said that they would give away free pizzas when France loses. And France has been losing often. So Pizza Hut in Ireland, the people in Ireland have been getting lots of free pizzas. So, for instance... When France lost to South Africa, they gave up two goals. That was 700 free pizzas that got given away, 350 pizzas per goal. So lots of happy people in Ireland eating pizza because of France's demise. I really would not want to be working at that pizza place. I mean, imagine, all right, we got 7,000 out by noon. Let's go. Yeah, that would not be fun (laughs) at all. But it really is an amazing story. France has had so much success in the World Cup. And because of all their internal bickering and the divas that they have on their team, uh, it's just been a horrendous World Cup. They're not going to make it out of this initial round. Lots of thank yous on our show this week. want to... Thank David Stern and B. Perez, obviously, from joining us uh, about a month ago. Good to look back on our conversations with them. want to thank our show staff, Brian Griggs, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harrison, Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon and New School Media Coaching. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. Follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. We're on Facebook, facebook.com backslash sportsbusinessradio. I'm Brian Berger for Brian Griggs. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week on Sports Business Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio.